You remember what it's like to be a kid. You want to be yourself. People are telling you to be yourself, and then you try it. And then you have your peers telling you that you're weird or whatever negative feedback they give. So it's a very confusing time. And some people deal with that by losing themselves in books. Sideways Stories from Wayside School was one of those books that author Erin Entrada Kelly constantly checked out from the library when she was a kid. I would go, and I knew exactly where it was on the shelf. I would go make a beeline for it, and it wouldn't be there. Wayside School is small. It measures just a quarter inch thick. But no doubt, if it were absent from the library shelf, Erin would notice. There would be like, you know, when you go to the library and there's that one book that's so obviously missing and the other books are like leaning over and filling the empty spot. That's where Wayside School was supposed to be. And it wouldn't be there. But sometimes it would be there and Erin would grab it. The great thing about library books is that you can see dog-eared pages. You can see, oh, maybe someone was drinking a soda and a piece of it fell on the page. It's like this idea of well-loved books. And I remember reading Wayside School and how well-loved that book was by all the kids because it was dog-eared pages and the paper was so thin from the oil on kids' fingers turning the pages. Mm -hmm. and. It was just well-worn, and so it would make me think, who else in my school is reading this, you know? And who are their favorite characters? And I wonder what they think about this, and I wonder what they think about that. And I never knew who the other kids were who were reading it, but it was like an incredible thought to think, there's some other kids checking out this book all the time just like me, and who are they? I'm Lindsay Jacobson, and this is Remember Reading from HarperCollins, a podcast where we talk about classic children's books, On today's show, we're going to spend some time talking about the 1978 classic Sideways Stories from Wayside School by Newbery Medal-winning author Lewis Sacker. The book is about a group of peculiar kids in a school and how different they all are. It's won legions of fans. They love it for both the straightforward acceptance of the kids' quirks as well as the hilarity and absurdity of their school days. Throughout the show, we'll catch up with Lewis Sacker about the book. The adults wield all the power. So having a crazy adult or a mean teacher, you know, is like the perfect antagonist for the hero. We're also going to hear from contemporary children's book writer Dan Gutman. He writes a series called My Weird School, which is also about a strange school. But weird doesn't necessarily mean bad to him. You say someone's weird. I don't think of that as a negative. I just think of it as somebody who is intriguing, a different, um, looks at the world in a different way, and I think there's something attractive about that. But for now, let's get back to Erin Entrada Kelly. She's the author of the 2018 Newbery Medal-winning book, Hello Universe. So the book is about the students of Wayside School and is a collection of stories, sideways stories, And the kids go to this very strange and bizarre and hilarious school that's basically a skyscraper. In the story, the narrator explains that the school was supposed to be one story high, with 30 classrooms all in a row. Instead, something went awry, and it ended up being 30 stories high, with just one classroom per story. The first chapter is about the memorable teacher, Mrs. Gorf. And so there's a lot of different vignettes. And we meet Mrs. Gorf, who turns the bad kids into apples, which I always loved. I mean, 
she was scary, but I loved this idea. So it's kind of like a weird, surrealist, funny, imaginative collection of all these different kids at this one school. Take Joe, for example. His teacher thinks he can't count, but Joe just counts in different ways and still comes up with the right answer. Here's an audio recording of Lewis reading from his book about Joe. Joe counted to ten. Six, eight, twelve, one, five, two, seven, eleven, three, ten. No, Joe, that is wrong, said Mrs. Jules. No, it isn't, said Joe. I counted until I got to ten. But you were wrong, said Mrs. Jules. I'll prove it to you. She put five pencils on his desk. How many pencils do we have here, Joe? Joe counted the pencils. Four, six, one, nine, five. There are five pencils, Mrs. Jules. That's wrong, said Mrs. Jules. How many pencils are there, Joe asked. Five, said Mrs. Jules. Or take Cherie, who weighed only 49 pounds and loved sleep. Cherie often fell asleep in class. Mrs. Jules didn't mind that either. She said that a lot of people do their best learning when they are asleep. Cherie spent all of her time either looking out the window or sleeping. Mrs. Jules thought she was the best student in the class. One afternoon it was very hot. All of the windows were open, yet Cherie still wore her red and blue overcoat. The heat made her very tired. Mrs. Jules was teaching arithmetic. Cherie pulled the hood up over her face, buried herself in the coat, and went to sleep. Mrs. Jules, said Kathy, Cherie is asleep. That's good, said Mrs. Jules. She must be learning something. There's Todd, who's always getting into trouble, even when it's not his fault. And then there's Johnny, who can only read upside down. And Nancy, who doesn't like his full name because he thinks it's a girl's name. Is it strange? Sure, but it's not as crazy as it sounds. Lewis was born in New York. When he was nine, he and his family moved to California. I had a heavy New York accent that the kids made fun of me for, and I had to start really thinking carefully about how I spoke, and I would have to slow, you know, make sure I speak slowly and don't mumble, because otherwise I got teased about that. He is also Jewish, and in New York, most people in his community were too. And then uh, moved to California where you know hardly anybody was. So to me, that felt different. It wasn't until late in high school that he became interested in writing. Senior year, he took a creative writing class. One of the assignments was to write a children's story. And I came up with a story about Mrs. Gorf. It wasn't set in Wayside School at that time, just in a normal school. And I turned it in, and the teacher didn't like it at all. It's funny, she thought he hadn't taken the assignment seriously and told him to write something else. But, you know, I pretty much forgot about that. In college, he wasn't really thinking about writing for kids either. Instead, he was reading some pretty out there adult literature. I was reading a lot of the um, surreal and absurd authors, like the plays by Ionesco. And so I was really uh, into all that. Then he signed up kind of randomly for some credits helping out in an elementary school classroom. Every day was to leave this kind of a heavy, serious world of university and walk up the hill to this school. 
And I just loved it. It became my favorite thing to do. And so he read his story from high school to the kids, and they liked it. And I just had a great time there. And besides helping out in the classroom, I ended up being hired to watch over the kids during lunch. And they all called me Lewis the Yard Teacher. The name and the experience stuck with him. When he graduated college, he decided to try to write a children's book and wrote Lewis the Yard Teacher into what eventually became Wayside School. Lewis had a red face and a mustache of many colors. He was the yard teacher at Wayside School. It was his job to see that the children didn't have too much fun during lunch and recess. In the last chapter of the book, Lewis tells the children a story. This is a story about a school very much like this one. But before we get started, there is something you ought to know so that you don't get confused. In this school, every classroom is on the same story. Which one, the 18th? asked Jenny. No, said Lewis. They're all on the ground. The school is only one story high. Not much of a school, laughed Damien. Lewis continued. Now you might think the children there are strange and silly. That is probably true. However, when I told them stories about you, they thought that you were strange and silly. Us? The children answered. How are we strange? I'm normal, said Stephen. Aren't I? As normal as I am, Joe assured him. The children at that school must be crazy, said Leslie. Real Lulus, Marisha agreed. The kids he taught served as inspiration, and he was still thinking about the surrealist authors he'd read. And when I switched to writing for kids, it just kind of became, oh, what's considered surreal and absurd in, in adult fiction is just normal children's fiction. And, uh, well, maybe it's not normal, but I mean, that, that was the influences on me when I first started writing. Still, when people ask him about Wayside School, he kind of balks at the characterization that it's wacky. I don't think of it as wacky. I think of it as a really warm, happy place where, where everyone accepts everyone for who they are. and Everyone, for the most part, gets along. They're kind of like real kids living in an absurd world rather than a wacky world. There's sort of an absurd logic to the whole thing. The kids may have their quirks, but the book doesn't dwell on them as such. Instead, Lewis writes about each kid's eccentricity matter-of-factly. He turns the idea of, quote, normal on its head. I think one of the most consistent messages throughout all my books, and not that I necessarily set out to write a message, but it just seems to be there in all that, all the books, is for kids to be happy with who they are. Don't worry about fitting in. And I think most kids feel a little uh, afraid that they don't fit in as well as everybody else does. Everyone kind of has these fears of, of being an outsider or people you know, afraid people won't like them if they're not like everyone else. And I think the my books help kids see that everyone's that way. All of this made the book a favorite for writer Erin Entrada Kelly, who we heard from earlier. She grew up in Louisiana, and according to her, she didn't exactly fit in. The challenges that I had were, my mother is from the Philippines, and the community where I grew up, there was not a large immigrant population, and there certainly wasn't a large Asian population. And so whenever I'd go to school, I was pretty much the only Filipino. And that can be really difficult growing up because you look like an outsider, you look like an other. And I was also a very 
quiet and introspective kid. So I didn't always feel like I had the tools that I needed to figure out my place in the world. And the kids picked on me, and I wanted desperately to look like a quote-unquote real American girl. Reading was her escape. She started writing early, too. As a kid, she wrote fan fiction and put together little books. When I was growing up, all the books that I wrote on loose-leaf paper and stapled with the book covers, they were all uh, white children or white teenagers. Or It never occurred to me a single time to write a book with a Filipino character or an Asian character. And I've spoken to a lot of other authors who had the same experience, who were part of a marginalized group, and for some reason they thought that white was the default for their characters. That started to change when she was an adult. Like Lewis, Erin wanted to write books that helped kids feel less alone. She decided to do that by featuring diverse characters. Unless you've been part of a group who never saw themselves represented, it can be hard to understand what kind of impact it has when you finally see someone who looks like you on a bookshelf or on a television screen or in a movie theater. It has a very profound effect. In Hello Universe, the main characters are a Japanese-American girl named Kaori who fashions herself as kind of a psychic, a shy Filipino-American boy named Virgil, and a very smart girl named Valencia, who happens to be deaf. Erin says she wanted to make Valencia a strong character. She is very willful and stubborn. She's very independent. She's not afraid of much. But on the flip side of that, she is lonely. She's a lonely kid. I think that's a common thread in a lot of my books. And the reason she's lonely is because people are afraid to try to befriend her or talk to her because she is deaf and they don't understand it, or they're intimidated by her hearing aids, or they think it's weird, or they don't want to do the work. The work is try to speak clearly so that she can see your face when you're speaking. And so she finds herself virtually friendless. It's kind of a dichotomy with Virgil, who is a hearing kid, but he finds himself virtually friendless because he's afraid to talk to other people. Through Kaori, who is unfazed by either Valencia's or Virgil's particular challenges, and a bully named Chet, the kids eventually cross paths. Much like the kids in Wayside School, who seem in many ways masters of their own fate, the kids in Hello Universe come together to create a world and an adventure where they're in charge. One thing that Wayside School did was it showed that young people can be in control of their lives. And it doesn't always have to be at the whims of the Mrs. Gorse of the world. And that's something that's really important because one other thing that adults often do is they can be very pedantic and condescending and patronizing to young people. And they view young people as empty vessels that need to be filled up with all their adult knowledge. But the reality is that they're complex, three-dimensional already as they are, and they have their own values and belief systems. In Aaron's book, the kids are concerned with big, serious issues like fate and survival. And the parents are kind of clueless. They're bumbling and getting in the way of their kids' plans. Like Aaron, Lewis Sacker says making the children the main focus was an easy decision for him when writing Wayside School. Kids don't see themselves as their parent's child or as a little darling or something like that. They have real concerns and real worries. 
and real ambitions and and even if you know if their worries and their ambitions might seem silly to an adult they're real to the kid and when I'm writing about them I'm writing from their points of view and treat their concerns and their worries uh, seriously in Wayside School not only are the adults largely in the background they're daffy Mrs. Gorf is mean and turns children into apples Mrs. Jules is afraid of children and thinks her class is full of monkeys, which makes the children and the readers flabbergasted. Dan Gutman, who writes the series My Weird School, also uses this dummy adult trope. Each book in the series focuses on a different grown-up, but it's the kids that drive the action. Like Lewis Sacker, the adults add humor to his books. I have discovered, and it didn't take much to discover this, that kids, especially kids like second, third, fourth grade, like to read about grown-ups doing dumb things because they just see their parents, they think they're these perfect individuals, you know, who never do anything wrong. And when they read about grown-ups doing dumb things, they think it's hilarious. Mm -hmm. So that's what I do in my weird school. The kids are pretty normal, but all the grown-ups at the school are insane. Take Miss Daisy, the teacher from the first book in the My Weird School series. It's called Miss Daisy is Crazy. She's the direct opposite of what a teacher's supposed to be. People are so used to idolizing their teacher and thinking they're this this perfect person, and then they're the exact opposite. She can't read. She can't write. She can't do math. She's the dumbest teacher in the history of the world, and kids think that's hilarious. Miss Daisy teaches kids reading and math, even as she claims she doesn't know how to do those things herself. The kids are pretty good sports about it. But there are now more than 50 books in the My Weird School series, and the adults never get it together. Just listen to the titles. Principal Klutz is Nuts. Mrs. Rupi is Loopy. Miss Hannah is Bananas. Miss Small is Off the Wall. Miss LaGrange is Strange. The humor is something Dan has in common with Lewis. Kids love to laugh. You know, sometimes kids will say, why do you write funny books? And I say, because you like to laugh. If you can get a kid laughing, you can get a kid turning the pages. And that's what he does in his books. Dan's books also take place in a school where strange things happen every day. The students come up with wild plots, like one to buy the school. And hilarity ensues naturally. The plots of the books move quickly. Writing page turners is Dan's way of targeting kids that may not feel seen by other authors. I was not a big reader when I was a kid. I thought reading was boring and hard to do. My mother was really worried about me. You know, she used to buy me comic books and mad magazines, hoping it would get me interested in reading, and it didn't really work. So I'm really sensitive to all the kids out there, especially the boys out there who are reluctant readers, and they find reading to be difficult. So I know what bores them. I know that when an author goes on for page after page describing what someone's face looks like or what the room looks like or what the weather is, nobody cares. People who are not great readers, they just want to know what's going to happen next. So I kind of like every sentence hopefully leads to the sentence after it. Every paragraph leads to the next paragraph. And every chapter ends in a way that makes the kid want to turn the page and find out what happens next. It's been more than 40 years since Sideways Stories from Wayside School was originally published. Millions of copies have been sold. Lewis still gets messages from kids, parents, and teachers about how much they love the book. So what does he think makes it a classic? I think memorable characters would be the main thing. And just sort of a a consistency of the universe in which the book is in. 
To a lot of children's books and especially children's movies, they're constantly winking past the kids at the adults and making these absurd jokes that don't really fit the story. And I think the real classics, everything's contained within the world of the, that's set up in the story, and it, you know they don't go outside those lines. That's something that newer classics like Hello Universe and My Weird School have in common with Wayside School. Each creates a world that feels as real as one's own reality. Lewis thinks technology has decreased readers' attention spans, and that newer books can be too focused on the shocking and the surprising. But he sees positive trends in Kid Lit, too. Compared to what I read when I was a kid, I think the stories are a lot more challenging and insightful and intriguing. For Aaron, though, constants remain. What makes a classic book timeless is a big piece of it would be universality, so themes that are evergreen and that reach across generations and genres and backgrounds. And some universal themes would be loss, isolation, feeling left out, wanting to be something other than what you are, having a big dream, feeling trapped, or all these different things are things that are true, no matter if it's 2018 or 1918, these are always going to be true. Also, the characters is an incredible part of making a classic book. If you look at the classic books that people love and remember, a lot of times there's this really three-dimensional character at the center of it all that people remember because they relate to that character because it's, it was so well-written that it's as if they can walk off the page. What gets her excited is that now the characters in classics can be more diverse. One of the things that is really energizing and motivating is that there are many more books being published today by authors with marginalized backgrounds. This is not a trend. We're going to see more and more of it, which is so incredible because that means that young boys and girls who are writing today don't have to think of a certain default. They can look in the mirror and say, oh, I'm just going to write about me. Special thanks to Lewis Zacker, Aaron Entrada Kelly, and Dan Gutman for joining us. You can find more about their books at rememberreading.com. Also, the narration of sideways stories from Wayside School you heard from Lewis Sacker comes from Listening Library, an imprint of Penguin Random House Audio. If you enjoyed this podcast, please spread the word about Remember Reading. You can help us grow our listenership if you tell just one or two people. Or give us a review wherever you get your podcasts. It helps a lot. Remember Reading's producers are Irina Jorov and Stephanie Marudis of Cuvenda Media. I'm Lindsay Jacobson of HarperCollins. Thanks for listening. Until next time.